0: Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we explore the theme of exile and return within the book of Daniel. The events of Daniel unfold during the great Babylonian exile when the Israelites were relocated to a foreign land. Looking through the historical context and the story of this famous character, we see the challenges of faithfulness during a particularly difficult phase of Israel's history. We explore the relationship between Daniel and King Darius, the ruler of the Babylonians.
1: Today we're going to continue with our Exile and Return series. We don't have a lot of information about what happens during the exile, but we do have some. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the handwriting on the wall, Daniel and the lion's den, and spiritual warfare. Three uh, pretty familiar things. And, you know, I think it's interesting to note that we don't have that much information about, let's say, Jesus as he's growing up, Peter and John as they're growing up, um, the exile, everyday life. Well, what we have mostly in the Bible is information about what happened something significant took place in terms of change. And I think if we think back our, in our lives, big changes are usually where big growth takes place, whether it's just something like going from grade school to junior high or getting married, having children, um, a tragedy or an unexpected success. In every case, it really brings uh, difficulty into our lives because we have to deal with this change. And today, we're going to be seeing some of the things that took place during this exile period, but still significant in the life of uh, these people. Just to give you the historical context here in terms of timeline, we are if we, somewhere back here 708 uh, B.C. or so. We've got Hezekiah and Isaiah prophesied during the time of Hezekiah. We're gonna we're gonna look at has, uh, some Isaiah today, uh, and Isaiah of course is is talks about a lot of things, including the Messiah coming, uh, but he also talks about this uh, uh, impending exile that's coming, and the return. And of course, they tend to mix all these different exiles and returns in. We've talked about this meta narrative that there's this exile and return big story exile from the garden, return back to the garden. And then within that, a lot of exiles and return. And we can even have it in our personal life uh, if, as we stray away and, and come back in repentance. And then we had uh, 605 BC, we had the first deportation to Babylon of Judah back here in 722. B.C. We had the Assyrian captivity of uh, northern part of Israel, uh, which is now Samaria or becomes Samaria. And Judah is spared during the time of Hezekiah and then his immediate successors. And then in 605, you have the first Babylonian captivity. And Daniel likely is deported during that time. And he goes through a big change because all appearances are that he becomes a eunuch, which would be a real material change for a young man. Uh, 597, the eunuchs ran the whole Persian Empire. Uh, 597 or these Eastern Empires. There's another deportation, and this one Ezekiel goes in. And then in in 586, you get the destruction of Jerusalem, and Jeremiah is uh, prominent during this, and he stays in Jerusalem during this time, although he's kind of captured and taken to Egypt. And this is when the temple's destroyed. All of the artifacts in the temple are taken to Babylon and the um, uh, walls are breached. So then uh, Jeremiah prophesies that this exile will take place for 70 years and then there'll be a return. Uh, And this is in Jeremiah. And then in 539, the Persians defeat the uh, Babylonians. So let's look at that event, 539, the Persians defeating the Babylonians. Let's go to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel has been a uh, key figure in the administration in Daniel chapter 5. During the Babylonians, he was a a big deal during the Babylonians, and he's kind of been forgotten, we'll see here. Belshazzar, the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand while he tasted the wine Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem so he's referring back to this episode in 586 where they destroyed the temple and took the artifacts and now his grandson here is taking the artifacts and now he's going to bring them in to his banquet um that his uh, concubines and his wives and his lords and king might drink from them. Verse 3, Then they brought the gold vessels which had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the uh, king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the chief of uh, uh, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. She wasn't apparently invited. Uh, And it might be uh, that this is his grandmother. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There's a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like wisdom of his gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. Now he's probably 80 years old or something like that at this point in time. Now let me just give you a little bit of uh, things we know from history that's happening during this episode. So they're having this big banquet and we know from Herodotus that... Uh, what was what was taking place while they 're having this banquet in five thirty nine is their city is surrounded by the Persians the Persians are and, and the the uh, city of Babylon had the river Euphrates actually routed through the city so they couldn 't be uh, they couldn 't be besieged and uh, s- starved out for water okay so th- it, the arrogance here is pretty uh, Enormous, that they're having this big banquet while they're being surrounded. Okay, so um, verse 13, Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who's one of the captives from Judah whom my father the king brought from Judah? I've heard of you. That the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now, the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they couldn't give the interpretation of the thing. And I've heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read this writing and make known to it me the interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple, and have a chain of gold around your neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, if you knew what Daniel knows that the interpretation is, uh, this response makes a lot of sense, what he says here. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself, and give your rewards to another, yet I'll read the writing to the king and make known to him an interpretation. O king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar, his father or grandfather, your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. The power of life and death was in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. You can't get much more powerful than that. And this is all nations, he says. Whomever he wished, he set up. Whoever he wished, he put down. He was all-powerful. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was disp- deposed from his kingly throne and they took the glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast. This, took, this happened for seven years. Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind and, and uh, his hair was like eagle's feathers and he, he, he ate grass like an ox. He, he was out of his mind for seven years. Uh, his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They, they fed him with grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. So Nebuchadnezzar got to say life, death, up, down, and he realized, oh, I'm under the uh, command of someone else who can even more so say live and die up and down to me. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar has in, in the book of Daniel here one of the greatest professions of trust and faith in God you'll read in the Bible. He basically says, I you know, I, I was proud, I blew it, and now I honor the God, because God's the real God. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. Remember back to Ezekiel when we saw that passage in, uh, I believe it's chapter 18. He says, stop using this proverb that the uh, children eat sour grapes and the, or sorry, the father eats sour grapes and the children's uh, pucker. Stop saying that because everybody is responsible for their own actions. That's the way this works. Well, he says, you saw, you saw your father, you saw his experience and you didn't learn from it. Verse 23, And you've lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They've brought the vessels of His house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And He praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in His hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified like your Father did. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and his writing was written, and this is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Upharsin. This is the interpretation of each word, Mene. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians, who are outside the wall surrounding the city right now. Then Belshazzar gave the command. They clothed Daniel with purple, gave a chain of gold around his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. What the Persians did is they diverted the river Euphrates out into a marsh. And the level of the river went down enough where the soldiers could wade through it under the wall. And they came up into Babylon at night, and they apparently knew this feast was some kind of a ritual they had, knew it was going on. They came up and took the city basically without a fight. Belshazzar was killed that very night. Well, this is fairly stark. You go from a kingdom... And in, in a short period of time you go from a kingdom, 586 that is ruler over all the earth, with, that has a king that says live and die, up and down whatever happens, he goes and a few short years later uh, it's overthrown completely and God says it's because of pride you thought way too much of yourself, so I just toppled it over well um, if you're Daniel and you're 80 years old and you've come out as a youth and you've been made a eunuch, that's certainly a change of life that uh, probably was very difficult. As you know, Daniel uh, took it in stride and said, I trust God even to the point of, of uh, separating himself with uh, food and saying, I don't want to eat the Chaldean food. And then you go through the Babylonian University, a three-year intensive program where you learn the Chaldean language and literature, which means you're going to be completely indoctrinated with the Chaldean uh, a worldview, and you get your final exam, and you're, you and your friends are ten times better than everybody else. An oral exam before the king who can say, I don't like you, go chop his head off. Little pressure there. And they're ten times better. And yet they came through that Chaldean University Ten times more proficient in the Chaldean literature and and language than all the other guys, but never believed any of it. They didn't change their worldview. Their, Their commitment to God was unchanged. And then you go through this time period where you're interpreting dreams for Nebuchadnezzar and you're made this real high person, and then you're forgotten. That's a lot of change to go through in Daniel's life. And as far as we know, he never wavers. We read that passage in Ezekiel where God says, you know, even if these three guys, Noah, Job, and Daniel, were in the country right now, I wouldn't save the country, even if those three guys were here. That's meaning, you know, uh, uh, mercifully, that usually three people would be enough to save a country, three righteous people. That's very encouraging. But he says... uh, he, he, he takes these three people uh, out and lifts them up and says these are examples of what righteousness looks like. And we don't see anything in the book of Daniel or in the scripture about Daniel actually doing anything wrong. Although he certainly uh, didn't live a sinless life. So Daniel now is uh, elevated and uh, Darius the Mede apparently comes in and kills Belshazzar and keeps Daniel. Because the next thing that happens is in chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. And these are probably all eunuchs. Uh, Ale- we read Alexander the Great. One of his great frustrations was he tried to you know, get the Persian Empire to be like the Greeks. And he couldn't, he couldn't do anything because the eunuchs controlled everything. And he couldn't, he, that, it was, they had this big bureaucracy and he couldn't break it. So he, he had to just compromise with it. So this is normal for the Persians. He set up 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these, three governors. So you got 40 each. And Daniel was one. That the satraps might give account to them so the king would suffer no loss. Now, are eunuchs warriors? No. No, no, eunuchs are not warriors. And what kind of account would eunuchs give to the king so they won't suffer loss? What's the number one thing kings want always? Taxes. taxes! The number one thing kings want. And how much taxes do they want? More! Always they want more. That's right. Never enough. Insatiable appetite, right? And so uh, you have to have tax collectors. And what do tax collectors historically do? Skim it off. Yeah, they're skimming operations. And so these three governors are there, so the king might not suffer loss, which means their job is what? Yeah, to, to make sure the skim doesn't happen. Yeah, and what do you think they would normally do in, a, in an empire like the Persians? Take take their fair share. Yeah, they okay. And so... Then verse 3, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. So he is showing that his 40 guys can collect a lot of revenue without siphoning it off. What are the other two governors and the, all the 80 people going to think about that? Yeah, how, what do people think when their salary is slashed? They don't like it very much, do they? Okay. And so the king was giving thought of setting him over the whole realm, which means the skimming exercise is about to be shut down completely. Because in government, the one thing that you don't want, if you're a governor, is an honest person who tells the truth and brings things to light. That ruins the whole system. You've got to impeach that guy. You've got to get him out of there. If, there's something, if he didn't do anything wrong, then you've got to make something up. I got a friend that that's happening to in Texas right now. They're making stuff up because he's trying to say, hey, I know something wrong. We got to shut you up. Well, we can't have people like that in government. That's pretty, pretty typical in this, time, in this uh, arena. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful nor was there any error or fault found in him. And then these men said, We can't find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said, Thus, Darius, King Darius, live forever. All the governors and kingdom and the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. You're so wonderful. And this is how it works. I've, I've, been, to, I've been to dinners and, and uh, events and, 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 and uh, meetings with powerful people. And the amount of oozing sycophant grossness is just appalling to me. That all these people—they're just men, they're just women, they're just regular people that have been given an office, of service, and everybody's and everybody's just grow, scraping and groveling to them. Why are they doing that? They want something, okay? And so these guys are—you're so wonderful, you're so amazing. We want to do this great, grand thing for you that you will be lifted up and exalted because no one can petition other than you. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. This was one of the laws the Persians have. You could, the king could make whatever law they wanted to, but they couldn't change it. And now, this is a pretty good idea. If you're going to give somebody absolute power, you need them to not be capricious with it, right? So then, therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Here's. Ah, it's so great to have people like you, the little people that understand how great I am. Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees. Three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. As was his custom since early days. He's not doing this, new, this is nothing new, and they knew this was going to happen. They're depending on the honesty and the integrity of, of Daniel to trap him. I have another friend who's uh, involved in a kangaroo court type situation and he was charged for something. Uh, and this, uh, we have a body called the Ethics Commission in, in uh, Texas, ironically named. And uh, they brought him up and they, they said, we, we don't have any evidence, we want you to testify. He said, no, I'm not going to testify. And they said, well, "We're all flummoxed. What do you mean you won't testify? You, you won't. We are counting on your integrity to find some reason to to uh, find you. And I'm not going to testify. But we have witnesses. We want to put on our we want to put on our witnesses. No, no, we can't do that. We're going to recess the hearing. Got to go find some. Got to go find some things wrong about you. It's human nature we're talking about here." Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions, Sees your law? The king answered and said, This thing's true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, the one who's given you all the extra tax revenue who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, king, or for the decree that you've signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. Why? He knows these guys. He knows their heart. And he's like, oh, God, they got me. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. So he got all his lawyers in. Find a loophole. He got all of his counselors in. We gotta get Daniel off of this. These men approached the king and said to the king, No, King, it's the law of the Medes and Persians. It's the law. You have to follow the law, King. So we've gone from, you're so wonderful, you're so amazing, we wanna You gotta follow the law, King. Oh, man, Darius is so ticked at himself. At himself! Because he let himself get sucked into this with flattery. And it, and it's likely, according to the reading I've done, that this was a sub-king. That this was a king of a realm and there was a greater king elsewhere, Cyrus. Maybe not, but that's that seems to be the case. So perhaps there's some authority that can actually enforce this law.
0: This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.